Good morning. It's your real estate guru on a Friday morning. And I'm, I just love the holidays. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, getting up in the, in the holidays, of course, sipping on a cup of coffee in the holidays. I, I just, I, lo I love it. One moment. By the way, I'm uh, currently buying a cup, uh, the, my coffee. Brand. I used to buy from Pete's. And Pete's has great coffee, by the way. I loved, loved them for years and years. But now I went to the Black Rifle Coffee Company, and I am absolutely in love in love with uh, some of their whole beans and their their roastings. I I hope that you're enjoying your cup of coffee this morning also. So I'm getting lots of questions lately about becoming licensed in the industry, and that's terrific. You know, I believe that all ships rise in the harbor together and that there is absolutely room for qualified people to get into this career and make it your career. And that is fantastic. And for, of course, most of us listening already licensed and that's that's terrific. And we have lots of products to help you build your career that way. But just real quick on the licensing, it hasn't changed in a long time, even though there is a bunch of misinformation, I think, out there on the web about getting licensed and what it really takes. So what it really takes is a, in Oregon is 150 hours of education. Now, that has to be qualified education by a company that is registered in Oregon to do it through the OREA. That's the Oregon Real Estate Agency. It, I'm not trying to make this too boring with with the alphabet soup out there, but people get to thinking that the OAR, which is now known as OR, so the Oregon Administrative Realtor, excuse me, the Oregon Agency of Realtors is now called Oregon Realtors, but they're not the licensing body. The licensing body is the OREA. The Oregon Real Estate Agency is the licensing body, and you have to make sure your course is qualified. Now, not difficult to find qualified courses. I, I will tell you on a personal note, I mostly use on or, or promote onlined.com. That's online, too easy at the end there, onlined.com. Love their products. Think that they do just a bang up and terrific, terrific job. It also works very well with my screen readers. That you guys know, I, I'm I'm blind. Use a guide dog, so using screen readers very, very important to me. And their products for a long time have worked very, very well with with using screen readers. So, 150 hours, and in the renewal process can be somewhat difficult for people to understand on the first time around. So the renewal process, typically it says that it's two years, but on your first time, it might be as short as 13 months because you get the first year. And then whenever your birthday comes up in the second year, it's the last day of your birth month that you have to renew. Then after that, it's a two-year process, a true two-year. You may be the one of the ones that get lucky and actually have a two years the first time, but you'd have to have planned that just right. And I, I, don't, I wouldn't mess, I would just jump in. If you want the career, you jump in and 
You re you renew when you have to renew. So 150 hours to get licensed. It was a state exam, a federal exam. You have to pass the minimum. I think it's 75% of the questions. Something like, it's been a lot of years since I took it. But I think it's 75%. You have to pass on the state and the federal. But it's if you happen to know, put it in the chat. But it's something like that. The, the failure rate is unfortunately very high. I mean, it's, last I looked at the failure rate, you know, it's somewhere around 55, 60% for, for the first time. But I think it's because people don't take it real seriously the first time. Eventually, you know, nearly everybody passes because they go and they try it and they realize, oh, here's here's the the areas that they're looking for. And they have and they go back and take it again and they're fine. We, we've had lots of people work for us <coughs> over the years that had to take it more than once. And, and that's fine. You know. Taking it once, twice, three times. Once you're licensed, you're licensed. It's it's like as an attorney, once you pass the bar, nobody asks your grades. You are a member of the bar. You are a licensed attorney at that point, and and that's what and that's what you need. You need to be a licensed uh, broker or agent. In Oregon, calls them brokers, and, and there's slight difference, but overall, we're all agents. You need to be a licensed agent to do the business at all. You can't jump in and do the business without being licensed. So jump in, do your 150 hours, and get licensed. The first three years, you need to work for a principal broker. Most continue working for a brokerage that, that's licensed to do this, as we are, because there's just no need to move it on any further. You can do tremendous business. Well, you can do endless business as an agent without being a principal broker or a managing broker if you're in the state of Washington. So going that path, terrific. And it is a great career, you guys. I mean, the, the career is just this phenomenal thing for those who want to enact it and do something about it. That, that is really the problem. Is we have all these people. You know, in Oregon, we have 21,000 people that are licensed on our rolls. 21,000. It's only 15, 20% of those people that are actually doing the thrust, the big part of the business out there. So there's lots of growth for everybody else. If, if you have a small amount of people out there taking up all the business, it's because nobody else is. So there, there's a there's lots of area for growth in it. 21,000 people, we know that the average person is only selling like two, two to three homes a year. It's really, really small. And lots of people that I meet are selling zero or one. I mean, we're talking in the big average, which takes on the, the performers doing the 100, 200 a year. And then you've got the people down there doing, you know, basically zero. So it's just, you know, how averages work. So if you are one of the ones that are down there only doing, you know, the zero, one or two a year, essentially you are paying for your license. That's hard. You're just, you're just paying the state a bunch of funds. I would say jump into the game, make it happen for yourself, and we can help you make it happen for yourself or do something else. Don't keep paying the state all the fees. One moment.
Still sipping up my coffee here this morning. Don't keep paying the state all the fees. That's just you know ridiculous. Jump in. And of course, you can oh, you can you can put your license on hold and say and save some money that way. You can also just jump out and take it again in, in the future, and that's easy enough as well. It, it doesn't take that long. I mean, the the training you know, 150 hours doesn't take that long to get through. And it's not that strenuous to get through. I, I've had a few people feel that it was very strenuous, but overall, people do not feel that it's that strenuous to actually get through the licensing part and become like, I would like to hear from you what you think about the licensing process in Oregon and Washington. Should it be changed? Should we up the ante and require more trainings than what we currently do. Should it be, you know, you know, 300, 400? I mean, states are all over the place on this as to what they require. Oregon's kind of middle of the ground. But should we require other things? Should we hold people's feet to the fire longer? Should After becoming licensed, there is no requirement as to how many sales you have to have to move up the ladder and go and take your next exam and become a principal broker and a man, or a managing broker. There aren't any requirements for these things. You can just continue to move, you know, get licensed and move up the ladder and 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 hold a larger license that would be more encompassing to allow you to do things, but you wouldn't actually have had to had performed anything. Many people have thought that we should have some kind of performance requirement of some minimum that you actually have to go out there and perform. What do you think about this? Should people have to, their, their license, should they actually have to show some kind of performance? I, I will tell you, I'm really on both sides of, of, of this and would love to hear what you think about it. I mean, I like the freedom concept of, hey, don't tell me what to do. I'm licensed. I'm keeping up with my continued education because there's a requirement of continued education that you have to report in every two years. And if you're keeping up with that, what business is it of anybody else's, whether you are doing sales or not, right? I mean, that that can be very tough. So when it comes to freedoms and how you feel about your license. Now, the license is a privilege. It's not a right. We don't have an absolute right in, in our Constitution to go out and do real estate. That that does not exist. Never has, never has existed in any state. So... But it is a privilege. It's like a driver's license. It's a privilege to get to go and do a driver's license if you can pass the exam. I can't pass the exam to do a driver's license. Of course not. I was a driver back in the early 90s. I had good enough eyesight. I could go and pass the exam. There's a competency and there is a practice. So there's a competency exam for driver's license, and there is a practical exam. where You actually take the car out and you, and you drive the car. And you drive it, and, and the examiner stamps your hand and says, you know, yes, yes or no on it. And from that point, you get to go forward with the driver's license or, or not, or you have to take it again. Should or should Oregon or any state have a competency exam, which we do, and a practical application of the exam, where you're actually performing something? 
Kind of like the, you know, if you follow my analogy, kind of like the driver's license thing where you're actually having to go out there and perform something and show, hey, I've done these sales. I've done a seller. I've done, you know, the listing. I've done a listing for, for someone. I've done a, a, I represented a buyer through the whole process. I've sat side saddle with somebody doing it so I can see how it works. Because, you know, Going back to a concept we, we talked about the other day on where is your value? Your value is not opening a door. I would love to hear from you in the comments where your value is. Your value is not opening a door. It's a function that we do, but that's not where our value is. Because if that was what it was we were being paid for, anybody can go and open a door. Anybody can go open a door. We, in fact, we have companies doing it automated now. You know, there's the whole open door thing where people let their self in. I think I, I don't know if that's going to have long legs to it. I, I suspect not, just because people are selling their home and they have stuff in their home. It would work pretty well for vacant homes in a lot of cases. Not every case. But for vacant homes, an open door concept where people register and they let themselves in probably has its strongest ability in a vacant home. In a home that has all of its stuff in it, I mean, that people I don't think are going to trust long enough for people to not take their stuff or snoop around. So your value is not opening a door, even though you have to be there for it. Your ultimate value is relationship and negotiation. Relationship and negotiation. Ultimately, why, you know, the big box stores out there that are trying to wholesale the, the, sale, the sale of homes without ever touching somebody, they aren't working so well. They don't have that relationship that you have and you have crafted out. And if you've been in this business any amount of time like I have, you have learned it really is all about the relationship because your negotiation tactics are going to be based upon the relationship, knowing the person, understanding the motivation of the person, understanding the motivation of that family and where they want to go, where they want to be why they want to be there, how much they're willing to pay, even though pay is, you know, merely one step of the negotiation. You, we all know that that have been in this business because the, the payment uh, of, say, the house is $400,000, that, that is just the, the one simple piece of it. Very important piece, by the way, but one piece of the puzzle, you have all the repairs. Do the on the inspection, does the home need repairs? What about appraisal and problems with appraisal? With what if the home can't appraise well enough, or it needs a repair after appraisal? Yet another problem to negotiate through the process in order to get to that closing date. And the closing date, yet another opportunity for a professional, as you are, to show how sophisticated your negotiation tactics are, to show you can negotiate 
closing dates to be appropriate for buyer that you're representing or seller that you're representing. And let's face it, closing dates can be tough. Often the seller wants just out instantly. They're done. They want away. So they say, even though when it comes to actually getting out, there can be big troubles with actually leaving because sellers also need a place to go. They may not be ready to go somewhere. They need somewhere to go. Buyers, on the other hand, may be finishing up a lease on the front end before moving in and don't want to move in too soon or close too soon because they don't want the mortgage payment coming due before their lease completes on the front end of this thing. Otherwise, they're going to owe double. And if they're owing for their lease where they've been living and for a mortgage, people struggle paying for this. Of course. That's a lot of money. All of a sudden, you're double paying for the place that you are hoping to live in. Part of negotiation, part of being a licensed professional. And I'd like to hear from you. What makes you a professional in this industry? I know it's not unlocking a door. Okay. I, I should quit saying that because it, part, unlocking a door is an important thing. Otherwise, we can't look at homes, right? I mean, we have to unlock the door so people can see inside the home. It's important. Absolutely. But it's your value is much deeper than that. Your value goes so much further into negotiations and relationship and motivation and understanding the family and the desires of the family and the people that you're dealing with, as well as an understanding of the other side, even though you're you're not re representing the other side, unless you're double-ending, but you're generally not representing the other side, you still have to have some kind of an understanding of what's going on over there. So holiday time. It, sorry, I, I meant to get to holiday time earlier. Well, Friday's got, got me wound up. I love I love Fridays, by the way. We're launching into the into the weekend. And weekends in real estate, of course, as you know, they're busy and fun. And even during holidays, it's crazy. I want to ask, how are you preparing your clients for after the holidays? How are you going to clean up? You no, know, everybody, excuse me, everybody wants to see the house staged appropriately. And if you want to see something on, on staging appropriately, go take a, take a look at my other videos on holidays. You can do great things during the holidays. People pull away from selling their home during the holidays. Oh, it's a bad time. It's not a bad time to sell. It's simply not a bad time to sell. It is a bad time to sell if you don't stage it appropriately and take advantage of the opportunity that it is. The opportunity during the holiday is Decorate your home. Show the buyer how wonderful your home is <coughs> as a seller and how great it would be for them to be at your home, to be live the owner of your home during the holidays. Pardon me. By, de by decorating your home, you are staging it up and 
displaying the best of your home. And you will just blow people's mind when they come in. And it makes the, the buyer start to dream about what they would be in your home. You can put this on display for them and allow these dreams to start to instill in the person. That helps the motivation, believe me, it helps. But in 21 days, generally the holidays are over. We're going to be at the first of the year. We'll be in 2022. I've already got a video out, and you can go download it from, from, from my site on yourrealestateguru.com. It's your-realestateguru.com about 2022 and getting ready for it. What are you doing to get ready for the holiday, for after the holidays? You've got people you're working with in your pipeline, I hope that are wanting to sell their home. And they, they put it off, even though the holiday can be a great time. Sometimes you can't convince people to do otherwise. And they're going to put it off and wait and wait for the, after the first of the year. Well, the first of the year is only 21 days away. It's coming, and all economic engines and forecasts are saying that the next year is going to be like 2021. It's going to be on fire. What are you doing for them to make sure they're ready? Because maybe they said, well, I need to finish the remodel in my kitchen. What are they doing to finish that remodel in the kitchen? What stage is it at right now? You know, this is a great time to get a hold of contractors. We're not in the middle of the big busy time. And you can find someone to do some small projects now. Maybe they don't want to be on top of your roof right now, but certainly in inside projects. Painting a room, doing some things like this can actually happen now. You can help your seller get prepared and get their mindset on 2022. It's important to get the mindset correct that we are moving forward to 2022. And it is coming. It's coming fast, Addis. 21 days from now, we're all saying Happy New Year. And this is behind us, and we're marching forward. And then, and while we're still in winter, I get it, but the mindset of spring starts to come at, at us, and that's the big opening for us in real estate. Okay, what are you doing? If you don't have people in your pipeline, we can help you fix that. I don't care how long you've been in this business; it doesn't matter to me. I deal with people that have been in this business 30 years. I deal with people that have been in the business one day. I help both sides. It doesn't matter to me. There's no guilt as to how long you've been in the business. A newbie or a veteran of the business. A veteran may be short of leads. Your pipeline maybe running short. Maybe you haven't worked on it in a while. Maybe you haven't updated your marketing skills to going after leads for yourself. A brand new person in the industry may not understand fully how to build their pipeline of leads coming at them to keep them busy in the business. We're in the holidays right now. There's still Lots of home selling. 
We have homes right now we're trying to close on before Christmas. But even after Christmas, we're going to want sales. So I have to be preparing my pipeline of leads for that. You have to do the same. We have a program getting ready to launch, and it's launching in a short, just a short few days here called Kickstarter. And Kickstarter will build your business. If you don't have leads, it will help you fill your pipeline with leads. Once you have leads, what do you do then? What do you do? I would like to hear from you. Once you get a brand new lead in, what is it that you do with the lead? How do you convert them to a client? To someone that you're actually in a relationship with. There is a method to doing this that you can convert these people into being your client. But you've got to go down the method of getting motivation. And motivation, before I start hearing from people, isn't money. It's what the money represents. And you've got to dig under the skin of it to get to it. Because everyone's going to say, well, I'm motivated to get $400,000. Wonderful. So if I brought you a full price offer today, what would you do with the $400,000? Now we're beginning to dig into the motivation at level one. It's not the deepest level, but certainly it is a starter for digging under the skin to find out the motivation. And this is what Kickstarter does. Kickstarter fills your pipeline, number one. You've got to have leads or you've got nothing. You won't have clients. If you don't have leads, you won't. You simply won't have clients, guys. All of us that are veterans in this business know you have to have leads or you won't have clients. But you won't have a client unless you have a relationship with them and understand their motivation. This is where you have to be. In Kickstarter, we build your business. We walk you through a process with coaching to build your business. How do you become full-time killing it in this business? I want you out there killing it. I want you making the money of that dreams are made of. Selling tons of homes, not worrying about where your next paycheck's coming from, planning vacations, honoring your family, bringing the money in that you need for your family that you deserve. You went and got licensed. You did the 150 hours. You paid all your, your funds and you're out the 2,000 some odd dollars to actually pay all your, all of your fees, and now you're working at it, and now what? Well, this is what. Let's build your business. Let's build your business starting today. Let's get your business on steroids so that you can honor your family with the kind of income that they need and you deserve. You got into this because you love the career. Functionally, you have to know how to do it. 
People aren't born with this. They study it. They study how to do this. And we're here to reveal the secrets of how exactly it's done. How you build your pipeline. How you deliver it up from lead to client to sold. And money in your bank account. That is what we are here to do. That is what we are specializing in with the Kickstarter course and the coaching. So that you have something to rely upon to say, oh, I've got a process. This is how it's going to be done. I'm dedicating part of my life to going through this, just like you did in the licensing program. You're dedicating part of your life to going through a process to understand how to fill your pipeline and make an actual business out of this. I can't tell you how many people I've met with that said, I got licensed and I was wondering where the business is. Well, you just like attorneys, you get licensed after all those years and you sit back and say, okay, I'm ready. You're ready for what? You've got to find, understand and find a way to go after the business. It is out there and all of our ships can rise in the harbor together. There's no question about it. But you've got to understand where it's at and how to fill your pipeline and how to find motivation with the leads to transfer them into clients. Without that, you won't have a business. Oh, everybody gets lucky with a client here and there. You, you know, you get, and that's wonderful. I love that. I, I have new people come to me and all of a sudden, you know, they, they have a client and it's family or something like this. That's terrific. I love that. It's a good way to get started. While you're doing that, let's fill your pipeline because it's going to take 45-ish days to close that deal. During that 45 let's, days, let's fill your pipeline and make sure you got business coming to you after that deal's done. Always several deals in closing. Always lots of leads in your pipeline. Always many clients that you are helping sell a home or negotiate into buying a home. That's the plan. You guys, it is Friday. I'm on fire this morning. I love Fridays and I love the holidays. I hope you're having a terrific weekend. And I will see you shortly on with, with you. I am your real estate guru. And this is real estate daily. I'll talk to you real soon. Take care, guys. Have a great weekend and get another cup of coffee this morning. Time to win.